I think it's fair to say that many people who are using social media won't immediately be thinking, how, how can I find on Twitter opportunities for me to spend money? DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain What are the most effective ways of using content marketing for lead generation? How do you qualify your leads to ensure that your list is relevant? And is there a disconnect between social and the bottom line? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to ask today's special guest, Matt Hodkinson. Matt, welcome to DMR. Good morning, David. Well, thanks for joining me. Well, Matt's the founder and CEO of Influence Agents, helping IT and professional service firms generate more traffic leads and sales using effective social media and inbound marketing strategies. So, Matt, how do you determine the true value of social media interaction? I think uh, for many business owners, David, it's got to come down to the to the bottom line. That's clearly where their thinking is going to be. And no matter how uh, kind of airy-fairy we tend to be sometimes about talking about the the conversational value and the uh, the kind of intangibles, I guess, of social media. Many business owners will still be thinking on some level, you know, how is this going to benefit my business? Now, clearly, social media, in terms of its uh, its invention, you know, we we didn't originally think about it as a as a bit of a business tool, and yet it's it seems to be that that's the way it's it's happened. Uh, and now that there's no escaping that, I think business owners will inevitably be thinking uh, this has got to be a, a tool for fueling the bottom line, for for fueling sales, and how can I best do that? Um, and I think in terms of in terms of measuring, in terms of that engagement, it's, it's incredibly important not to be a, a broadcaster. It's incredibly important not to just be talking about your products and services. And, and in fact, if talking about your products and services at all, um, I don't think there's a place for for sales. There's no place for that push marketing approach, and yet we still see obviously a great many people doing that. Um, so the true value is is yes in in forging the same connections, in being conversational, in doing the stuff that we would do offline. I think too many people see digital as a as a specialist skill or a, or or something that we have to learn, and the reality is it's it's networking. It's um, it's just it works in the same way as it would in the offline environment. Quite often, people in business will go to a, a networking event. They'll be faced with a, a room full of strangers, and they they have to make a decision as to who to strike up a conversation with based on their their availability at the time. Uh, the good thing about online, on digital, and on social media is that we get to see who we're going to be talking to and who we're interacting with before we get into those conversations. So quite often we're armed with a bit of information as to whether they're going to be a, a valuable connection for us and whether we can be of value to them. Now, one of the interesting phrases you used then was fueling the bottom line. And you obviously talked about um, not being a broadcaster at all, um, so not directly selling products and services via social media. Um, but if you want to fuel the bottom line, um, how do you actually measure the value of social media there? It's got to be about creating a, a journey. Uh, I think it's fair to say that many people who are using social media won't immediately be thinking, how, how can I find on Twitter opportunities for me to spend money? Um, so it's about it's about creating a journey. It's first of all, obviously, about creating awareness and making the necessary connections. Uh, and then it's about that there's a very, very important piece that needs to be included more often, in my opinion, uh, when businesses are interacting online, and that's the call to action. What is 
what is it that you want that person to do next and uh, as i say you know putting a sales message there is too soon it's too soon in the relationship and people aren't ready to buy so what is that next step well quite often it can be uh, just helpful information you know modern sales techniques are all around becoming the, the trusted advisor it's about giving away free advice and we've got a fantastic opportunity to do that via our blog for example so we can use social media to share information about our latest blog posts, our, our latest kind of thought leadership content. You know, you hear that um, that expression quite a lot now. Uh, I think it's overused, in fact. But uh, by whatever means, we need to be helping our target audience and we need to be positioning ourselves as, as credible experts. And from that point, once they're on our site, we can start to present them with other opportunities to, to interact with us, to, to download ebooks, white papers, to interact with any apps that we might have developed, um, to get them watching our videos, listening to our podcasts, of course. And, and from there, we can start a conversation which, you know, several touch points down the line might transpire into into business. And there are there are ways that I talk about of qualifying, uh, con uh, qualifying uh, prospects through the content that we provide. And if you if you're talking about the right things, and you'll you'll attract people who are the right fit. And then the prospect will decide for themselves whether your products and services are for them. And that's a very different dynamic to the, the push marketing and the advertising world where we're telling people that they need our stuff. We're letting others come to the conclusion that they, that they want our stuff. And, um, and yeah, that, that's, that's when sales really, really happen. Okay, so it's quite reasonable to drive people towards blog posts. What about one step further in and actually driving people towards an opt-in page where they actually have to give their name and perhaps well, email address and perhaps name um, to receive that um, special report that you've written? Is that an appropriate call to action for social media or is, is that a little bit too far too soon? I think it, there's, there's still value in doing that and it really depends on the offer itself and, um, and how valuable it is. I think people aren't... Um, not stupid, generally speaking, and um, and they know what they're getting into when they when they opt in nowadays. Um, so I think if there's a compelling enough offer, and if the information that they'll receive uh, as a result of submit, submitting their details is of great enough value, then people will do it. Um, notwithstanding, people have the ability to unsubscribe uh, straight away. You know, so long as there's a, an ethical approach being taken to the to the follow-ups and to the email communications, you've got to. Give people content that they're happy to receive and they and they continue to get value at every step of the way. Um, otherwise, you'll lose them. And th that's, that's a really important thing to understand as well is to quite often it's a good thing to promote the unsubscribe because if people feel that they're not getting value from your content, you don't want to be pushing your content upon them. Uh, they will never convert at some stage and if if they're not opening your emails why they're receiving them uh, i think some of us go through these waves of um you know we go through a, a bit of an unsubscribe splurge every now and then and um you know we, we we tend to tolerate a lot in our inboxes however busy we are but uh, the reality is yeah i think um in terms of those landing pages there's still value in doing that offer fantastic value if you're going to use it as a mechanism for your own business but the blog post and just giving away free content is quite often a nice stepping stone to get people to that decision 
Okay, and once someone subscribes to your list, um, do you do you tend to advise businesses to use specialist inbound marketing software um, such as HubSpot, or maybe just um, a standalone piece of email um, marketing software like, like an autoresponder? Would that suffice for most businesses? I think it obviously depends on the budget. We um, we use HubSpot um, every day, and and um, I mean we'll possibly hear a bit more about that uh, in the software section later. But we um, we we live we live by it. It's it's a fantastic tool for saving time and effort in the business, allowing us transparency into what's happening on our site in terms of conversion rates and sources of traffic, sources of leads and new clients. Um, but then, of course, yes, you've, you're right. You've got uh, lots of other autoresponder and, and semi-automation tools. Mailchimp have got a fantastic automation section to its offering, uh, which will allow you to, to to automate that process of the follow-up, which is obviously incredibly important. Uh, a lot of businesses might might just send one autoresponder and, and try to you know present a single offer to get them to the next step, and then perhaps service that that prospect with a monthly newsletter. Um, but the reality is there's there's an opportunity for, for multiple touch points and, and more calls to action to get people to that next stage in the relationship with you. Uh, so when they've downloaded something at the at the top of the funnel, you know, one of their first interactions to get a very g- generic guide or white paper, for example, the next step might be to start to present some sort of brand filter and talk about your own products and services, address any common sales questions, address any objections and pushbacks that you get in the sales cycle. And that can all be done through, through content and through follow-up emails. So uh, automation is, is fantastic for allowing you to scale without using human resource which is quite often the most costly thing inside the business so hubspot is, it can be a fantastic tool for doing that it, um, it depending on the number of contacts that you're servicing and the size of your business you could be paying the equivalent of a human resource inside the business so it's it's very important to um to think about the the costs and the likely return but uh, for many businesses yeah you some element of automation and some kind of technology would um, would be best employed to do that job so when building an email list, do you tend to favor just asking for um, as little information as possible, just um, a name and an email address, or perhaps just an email address, or as much as possible, trying to weed out the people that aren't quite so relevant uh, for the offer? So I advocate something called progressive profiling, which is um, all about learning more information as you have more touch points with the prospect. Uh, on the first um, first touch point, what we'd do is, generally speaking, we would advise to ask for as little information as possible. Uh, let's face it, so long as you have their email address, you've got the ability to follow up. Um, quite often, you know, some social media um, information, perhaps their Twitter handle is enough for you as well to, to get in touch with them and to nurture that relationship, which is the key step. Um, so quite often we'll say the first touch point First name, last name, email address. Splitting out the first name and last name, by the way, just allows you to personalize the messaging sometimes as well. Um, so you can insert the, the first name as, a, um, as an attribute in your, in your emails, and it's just automatically brought in from your database. But then on the next touch point, we might ask, uh, in the context of our business, for example, we might want to know about the industry that that particular um, prospect is in. So we'd uh, perhaps have a drop-down list of some uh, some of the industries in which we specialize and in which we've got some expertise um, and then we might have an other and that will allow us just to think about perhaps the the industries that we could prioritize and then any of the other contacts might go into a, a secondary list that we keep in touch with through a newsletter and uh, continue to serve them obviously with great content 
And then uh, as we move further down the funnel towards a more uh, transactional opportunity, we might ask for contact details such as their phone number, information about the size of business, either the number of employees or turnover. And I'm a big fan as well uh, in the latter stages of asking open-ended questions about particular challenges that they're facing at the moment. And the uh, the implication there is that when you do get into a sales situation with this prospect, you're armed with as much information as you will need to turn the conversation to the particular pains that they're experiencing at that time. And that can be incredibly powerful if the prospect feels that you know the situation they're in and that you're gearing your solutions to their particular pain, then conversion rates can go through the roof as a result of that. Okay, so that's a very sensible, very clever way to approach things. But what if you've got someone that's opted in and they've perhaps opened the first one or two emails that you've sent them? Um, they haven't uh, noticeably interacted with anything else that you've sent them after that and perhaps two or three months have, have gone by. Is there ever a time after that where you should just um, um, purge those kind of people from your list? Uh, so again, we uh, because we're using HubSpot, we get access to things like custom lead scoring. And it's something that, that any business can apply. It might be even that it's a, a manual process for some people. So long as you're armed with the information of what people are doing, how they're interacting with your content, even you know, tools like MailChimp will, will allow you to see the open rates and the click through rates on a particular um, person in the database. And you can apply this uh, score, scoring, which says if they're opening all our emails, if they're clicking through when we tell them to, if they're reading our blog, if they're revisiting our site on a regular basis, then they are of greater value to us. They're more likely to convert because they've had all of these touch points. We have good brand equity with them versus somebody who visited once, perhaps opted in, but has then done nothing since. And I guess it's not uh, it's not so much a case of of purging. Uh, what we use is uh, is uh, something called quiet lists. And if a if a prospect isn't progressing through the through the sales and marketing funnel, we've got a very definite journey, as I described earlier. And if somebody isn't progressing from the top of the funnel down towards a, a transactional offer, then we'll put them in a quiet list. They'll be subject to uh, just our regular um, monthly newsletter or some kind of communication. And when we have another offer later down the line that allows them to, to kind of reactivate and re-enter the funnel, uh, then we'll send that to them. That could be another ebook. It could be an app or a guide or a video. Um, perhaps another opt-in opportunity to, to reactivate them. And the reason for that is uh, something very simple, the timing isn't always right. And if we just purged our database and said that contact isn't interacting at this particular point, so they're of no value to us, uh, we lose the opportunity perhaps three, six, nine months down the time, uh, down the line when, when the timing is right for them. They're starting to think about our products and services, but we're no longer communicating with them. So we, we've lost that opportunity to stay top of mind with them. Now, you used an interesting phrase when we initially talked, and that was um, a, a disconnect between social and the bottom line. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and um, what businesses can do to actually resolve that situation? Yeah, I mean, I've already alluded to this, in fact, because what, uh, what tends to happen with, with companies when they start using social media is that they think it, it's all about brand awareness, it's about being active, and, it's, um, and that there's some kind of badge of honour in using social media as a business, in being seen to be um, innovative or forward-thinking in some way. And there isn't really a, a, um, a thought towards those, those customer journeys and how social is going to fuel uh, sales. Uh, albeit through a you know a, a multi-touch point journey, and and so I think well 
what people tend to do is in maintaining a presence, they might, if they're thinking about it in the right way, they're having conversations, they're having, you know, two-way interactions on Twitter, for example. Um, but quite often they'll be sharing content that's being produced by other people. For one simple fact, they're not creating their own. And I think businesses now really have to become almost a media production house. They need to be producing content on an ongoing basis. Um, I had a great um, sales uh, guy called Jeffrey Gittimer, who's um, from the States, and he's got a, a series of books on the subject, which are fantastic. And if you get the chance to see Jeffrey speak, then do. Um, and he says that every sale he's ever made can be attributed to some kind of content, something he's written. And I think that that would go for any business, really. If you think about the context of content, I think we, we put too much emphasis on content being digital. And the fact is that, that anything we create in our business, uh, from the letterheads that we have, the business cards, from books that we might have written, all the videos that we might produce, the slideshow presentations, uh, anything that we're producing, advertising, is down to something that we've written, some kind of form of communication with our prospects. And, and so we need to be creating more of our own content to share via social. And if we were doing that, then that's driving traffic first and foremost. And if we're writing about the right things, if we're using the right keywords, it's driving more targeted traffic. That's what I talk about in terms of the disconnect is that very few businesses, relatively speaking, are using social as an opportunity to refer targeted traffic and then to begin this journey with that prospect. And that nurturing step of the sequence is so, so important because for the reasons I've cited. The timing isn't always right. The prospect isn't always right. And we need to learn much more about what pains and challenges that particular prospect is facing to decide for ourselves whether we are the right fit for them. I like the uh, the phrase that you use, um, every business should be its own media production house. And I, I completely agree with that because um, too many businesses are treating social media as a, as a silo customer interaction opportunity. And they're perhaps sharing content from lots of other sources out there, but they don't have that in-house capability or willingness to produce content on a regular basis. And it's, it's an excellent opportunity. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, I think part of that is, and this is perhaps the biggest challenge, is finding the creative talent to be able to create content on a consistent and ongoing basis, notwithstanding with such um, prolific access to sites, freelancers, you know, sites like uh, Elance and Odesk and people per hour. Um, but the, the quality is a, is a really important factor in that. We've got to make sure that we find those who are a good fit for our particular industry that have experience on, on the topic in which we're speaking. And, and those who understand the tone and the values and the mission of the business so that they can be part of the team. Um, I, th I think there's all, all too... Uh, we're all too ready just to create content for content's sake. And the quality is the most important thing. Um, so whether, whether we're creating content in-house, whether we're bringing freelancers in to create content on our behalf, um, it's not just a tick in the box. It's got to be so much more than that. It's got to be compelling. It's got to be valuable. We are positioning ourselves when we're using content marketing in, in the right sense and with the right kind of strategy, we're positioning ourselves as those, those credible trusted advisors and and if we're just churning out content for content's sake then we're really not fulfilling that role so do you advocate that the senior players in the business have to be involved in the the at least the structure if not the production of the content or is it possible for for more junior people within the, in the business to be in charge of that 
Yeah, I think so long as you have buy-in from within the business, I think it's um, it's quite a lot sometimes to expect that everyone within the business would be creating content. But um, I think there's always an opportunity, having said that, because whether you're, not everybody's a writer, for example, but if if you're not a writer, perhaps you're a bit better at, um, at going on video and on podcasts and on audio like this. There are many different media formats you can submit to. And, um, and what I will say about that, the repurposing of content is something that's quite valuable as well, because lots of businesses are sitting on a whole pile of content that they could be repurposing for digital and for content marketing means. Uh, slideshow presentations they've given at their local chamber of commerce or um, a book that they wrote years ago which um, is effectively evergreen and uh, is still as valuable today as it was back then um, the many articles they might have written for other publications that again are, are still relevant um, all of the kind of PR stuff you know they might be going away on uh, team building days and doing local charity work and their corporate social responsibility stuff they've got a whole wealth of images and photos from those events that could be shared on social as well and we know that imagery is, is so important in um, in terms of gathering engagement so um, repurposing that content and and involving as many people in the business and yes it, it at least means getting buy-in from the top and if you can include as many individuals then you really get a better sense as a prospect and as a as a reader and as a visitor of of what the company is all about what the what the culture is there and that's so so important to communicate is um is what's the what's the culture of the business that i'm going to be dealing with if i transact with you so let's um, segue into the second section of our discussion, and that focuses on your thoughts on uh, where digital marketing has been and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So, so what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact the success of your business? I've, I've got to say HubSpot. I know I mentioned it earlier on, and um, we... It, it just offers so much to us in terms of time saving, um, in terms of transparency in our in our marketing campaigns as well. So if I told you, you know, I can look at the dashboard view and see exactly how many visits we got um, over any period of time, how many of those converted into leads, and how many of those have converted into paying customers, and you know, using the the inbuilt CRM now, which was only launched uh, last week by HubSpot, um, we can we can now obviously segue very easily from the marketing side of things into sales and start to use all of the information that we've gathered in the marketing process to to fuel those sales it's it's absolutely astounding in terms of the the power and value that it provides to us um if it was taken away tomorrow it would be it would be like losing an arm in terms of uh, you know as a business it's um I've got to say, we it doesn't doesn't do everything, and we what I do find useful is the ability to to integrate with a with a number of different tools as well. So, I mean, one of the other services that um, that we really advocate is Zapier, and I know there are alternatives out there, but Zapier provides um, uh, integration between different tools using their using their APIs. So. If a certain action happens in HubSpot, for example, before the CRM launch, um, we were using Zapier to take our sales qualified leads and automatically have them put into our CRM so that we could follow up with them um, when we had a, a third party CRM, for example. Um, we can also have uh, integrations with our um, invoicing system, Zero. So if they if they convert at some stage, we can have that record automatically created in, in Zero so that our invoicing is um, uh, is a quicker process as well so lots of time-saving uh, tools and and yeah it, it really all comes back to HubSpot the transparency it gives us 
the power it gives us. We really feel that we're um, we're playing in a um, with the big boys when we when we use it because it's um, it's it, it's just another level in terms of our marketing. Okay, so that's software that you either have used or are using at the moment. But what software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you've meant to try at some point in the future? So you know I've really struggled with this one because um, I'm a bit of a software butterfly, I have to say. I've, I've dipped into most things and tried them. In terms of marketing automation, you know, we've looked at some of, um, some of HubSpot's competitors over the years, um, Marketo and Pardot and Eloqua and, um, and Infusionsoft, you know, at the, at the lower price point as well. And we mm. really uh, struggle to find anything that matches up to it. Um, CRMs as well. We've we've kind of done the rounds across uh, CRM software and and what have you. I think there is um, there is one particular area because uh, everything we do is focused on inbound, and we find it very difficult to get away from the fact that some of our clients still want to do a bit of outbound in the very early stages to get quick wins. And I know that there are some um, some good software packages out there now that deal with uh, Facebook ad campaigns, for example. So where it's appropriate for a business. Uh, really kind of consolidating all the features of Facebook campaigns and uh, taking a more transparent view on that as well, seeing where the conversions are, where optimization can happen, and semi-automating that process as well. So um, so I know we've taken a, a look at a few of those tools, and I couldn't name any off the top of my head, but um, if I was going to try anything in the near future, it might be to take a look at some of those Facebook ad campaign managers. I wish I would have. I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? I wish, uh, I wish that I'd planned further ahead, uh, especially when it came to our own content marketing. Uh, I think what I originally did was put together enough blog content, enough kind of lead generation content to, to service a month. And, and actually what I did was possibly get about two weeks ahead of myself in terms of uh, scheduling content. And then, do you know what? The business and life took over. And uh, that, that two weeks that I was ahead became a week. And then it became three days. And then next thing I look, you know, the blog is, you know, three weeks out of date. And, uh, and it gets a bit embarrassing, really, when you're supposed to be the biggest advocate of what you what you're um, you know, what you're providing to everybody else. And I think it's, it's very easy in business to become, uh, you know, the, you've heard the story about the, uh, the cobbler's kids. They're always the ones with the holes in their shoes. <laughs> and um, I think it's very easy for businesses to become like that, that they become the, the last one to benefit from their own, from their own services. And, um, and I think that's, that's essentially what I wish I'd done, is planned further ahead, being um, a better example of everything that we, that we advocate for our own clients. And we're much better at that now because um, we've, we've got the planning mechanisms in place and, um, and we provide those to our clients as well. So we get much further, quite often we get three months ahead, let alone one month. And, um, but, but looking back, yeah, it's really just to look at what is the effort that's required to create content? Because it's no mean feat. Um, and I think that part of that was actually about making better creative connections. I spoke about that team that you've got to surround yourself with and, and having content creators around you and being a media production company. Uh, a great team brings great results. And, um, and I think you know, a lot of people assume that they'll have the time to do everything that they need to do. And they'll they'll even commit to it, and um, and sadly, there's there's not enough accountability there, and rarely can they make it um, enough of a priority to be creating this content. And um, yeah, that's what I wish we'd done: is just plan a bit further ahead and set ourselves up to succeed. 
it's challenging sometimes to hold yourself to task because um, you're aware that what you're doing at the moment isn't absolutely urgent for tomorrow and uh, occasionally tasks will come up and things that you think are more important but unless you plan ahead um, it, it, what is going to happen in the future obviously won't, won't happen. I'm three weeks ahead at the moment in terms of um, interviews for Digital Marketing Radio and yeah. um, it's it's important to stay that much ahead plus more and um, um, it's it's important to set yourself those kind of um, challenges and an agenda. Yeah, you can't always be gaining ground. There's going to be a point at which you say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm far enough ahead, and then you go into maintenance mode. And so long as you're disciplined enough to stay in maintenance mode, then that's, um, then that's fine. But I think you're right. People don't apply enough value to, to content, for example. Uh, the vast majority of business owners and marketers won't know what a blog post is worth to their business, but it is worth something. Um, they won't know what an ebook is worth to their business. Uh, and that's even perhaps slightly easier when it's being used, used for lead generation, for example, a bit easier to, uh, to kind of quantify. Um, the, the more you can kind of move towards a state where you do know the value of the content you're creating, the more of a priority you'll put on it. And it's that classic saying, isn't it? What gets measured gets managed. And I think if you can see the effects of what you're creating, then you'll do more of it. And sadly, you know, a lot of businesses don't get far enough along the journey to be able to measure and see the effects of what they're doing. So that priority never seems to come. So let's move on to the this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Try not to think about the answer too much. I'm just looking for your gut reaction. Ready to go? Yeah. (laughs) Email or Twitter? Twitter. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Oh, affiliates. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Telephone number. Website or app? App. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Local. Yay! <laughs> a few of those were a bit of a challenge. <laughs> yeah, that's tricky. Actually, I'm, I'd, if I had to go back, I'd change uh, app for website, actually, on reflection. But, um, yeah, I guess it was just, you know, most prevalent. Apps, by the way, are a great way to, to generate leads. And we've I talked about freelancers earlier. We've got access to such great uh, creative and low-cost development talent now. But creating an app for a business, and I'm not talking about mobile apps. I'm talking about perhaps even web apps. Um, a great way to generate leads, and I think that's why it was so prevalent in my mind. Um, yeah, absolutely. But your website does need to be the hub of everything you're doing, so that's uh, that was a tricky one. The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a digital marketing activity, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Well, I've, I've gone and spoiled that one because it's exactly what I've just described. It would be about developing um, a very well-positioned, well-designed, a thought-provoking app. Um, some kind of What we've had uh, success with in the past is putting together kind of survey apps that present a, a score or a result or some sort of report to the, to the user. Um, and you know, as you said at the beginning, we deal quite often with uh, with IT and professional service firms, which um, quite often can be a challenge to make them sexy. Um, so you've got to think of really uh, creative ways to to position them in a way that uh, attracts any kind of interest. 
And yet people love scores and they love gamification. And there's something about us that just needs to needs to know. I mean, you'll, you'll have seen on Facebook, there's all these types of quizzes, you know, find out your Star Wars name and, you know, which character are you and, and all of these things. It's very difficult for people to scan past those without finding out because of that curiosity element. And I think a lot of businesses have got an opportunity now to invest and it doesn't, it doesn't cost as much as, uh, as you might think to put together these, um, these kind of systems. So if I, was good, if I was going to invest right now, I'd put together and, and 10K can buy you a lot of content strategy. So I would, um, I would think about a top, a top end app, um, survey app report or something to generate interest and then to put in a, a, a further down the funnel. Uh, a couple of brand filters, some elements of marketing automation in order to nurture those relationships and generate sales qualified leads at the end. And that really starts with standing out. I mean, people have, as I said, don't create content for content's sake. Uh, I think people can be far too conservative in many respects when it comes to online. And um, yeah, I think that people have just got to stick their heads above the parapet a bit more and stand out and, uh, and grab the attention because if you don't, your competitors will. So by the sound of it, um, there are lots of different metrics that you keep an eye on on a regular basis. But what would you say are the most important metrics to keep an eye on on a weekly basis? I think it's all too easy to put the focus on uh, things like social engagement. I think it's, yes, it's, it's important to know that people are liking and sharing your stuff, that you're getting retweets and, and that you're getting a reaction. Um, but but I think actually what it, it's a bit further into the business is where you should be looking. Visitors are fantastic metrics to keep an eye on, the number of unique visitors that are coming to your site, how many of those are converting into leads and how many clients you're getting. So visitors, leads and clients is something that we're monitoring all the time. Um, the conversion rates between those points as well and, and throughout the funnel, in fact, how many people are converting from an information qualified lead to a marketing qualified lead to a sales qualified lead and then to a client. And when you know what those conversion rates are, you can start to optimize them and start to try and perform a bit better. And continuous optimization just ensures that your business and your marketing funnel is growing. Uh, the, other, the other metric we look at is the, um, is the sources. We need to know where our best performing um, campaigns are, are operating. So uh, are our clients coming primarily from our LinkedIn activity versus our Facebook activity versus Twitter versus email campaigns or whatever else we might be doing? Um, so giving yourself that level of transparency is very easy now. Uh, and those are definitely the primary metrics I'd be looking at. My number one takeaway. Well, Matt, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what's the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? I think it's got to be about um, pr- putting value on content. Uh, I mentioned earlier on about getting to the point at which you know exactly what a blog post is worth in your business. And I think if that's a very good target for a business to have. Any piece of content, what is it worth? And that, that goes, you know, it's very prevalent in advertising. We know exactly what we would expect to get from an advertising campaign. In the same way, we want to know exactly what the return of our content is going to be. So I would say place more emphasis on content and realize that it does have a monetary value. Um, apply sufficient priority that a blog post, you know that that is part of your marketing and sales activity and that it should generate a return. And it can be, it's a, it's a leap of faith. I realize that in the very early stages, people are going to have to invest in the creative side of things, time and or money in order to be generating this content. Make sure you can measure the effectiveness of it. So make sure you've got the right analytics in place. 
but get to a point where you can categorically say that your content is generating opportunities for you and it will in 99 percent of cases if you've got something uh, valuable and compelling to say uh, then you'll generate a return and when you know what that return is you'll place more emphasis on it wonderful well that takes us to the end of our discussion today so thank you so much for your time your focus and your willingness to give back what's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do well, you could go to influenceagents.com. That's our uh, that's our website. We've got a number of uh, ebooks, uh, blog posts, obviously on the site, and um, hopefully we are kind of living and breathing what we do and eating our own dog food, as they say. <laughs> so uh, check out our blogs. Uh, we we hope that we are a trusted advisor in this space, and um, get in touch. Great. Thanks again, Matt. Thanks, David. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today on Digital Marketing Radio. Remember, you can get every interview before it's published as a podcast, delivered as a weekly digital magazine, automatically to your tablet or smartphone. And that's for Apple or Android. Just go to digitalmarketingradio.com for links to where you can subscribe and join the rest of the Digital Marketing Radio posse. Catch you again soon. Digital Marketing Radio, Digital Marketing Radio, Digital Marketing Radio, that yeah.